Hello and welcome to the Energy Sense Podcast, where we explore the trends, people, and ideas that fascinate us in the world of energy efficiency. I'm your host, Chris Rawlings, and I'm the Chief Efficiency Officer here at Veteran LED. And my guest today is Rob Wilson. Rob has been in facilities maintenance for about 20 years. He holds a degree in HVAC design, has worked in data, insurance, and manufacturing facilities all across the board, uh, mostly here in Virginia. Rob, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So a little bit of background on you. Can you tell us how you got into facilities maintenance and facility solutions? Well, uh, I got into facility maintenance. I think it goes a long time back as uh, my father was a government worker, so he always wanted to do everything himself. So we always took that approach. Uh, so I was always in the trades, learning things with my father, laying brick, doing things like that, doing our own electrical work. And it kind of translated into my first job was uh, renovations and the D.C. area. So, you know, I was pulling stuff out like electrical data, stuff out of houses for, um, you know, jobs that we were doing. And I looked at it and said, hey, there's got to be a better way of doing this. You know, when you're a laborer, it's a lot better way. So I uh, got lucky. A friend of mine got me into a company that's no longer in business called Digital Nation. And we did dedicated web hosting. And from there, I was just a data center, you know, running wire, um, doing HVAC, change, changing humidity canisters, doing things like that. And uh, I just liked it. And it, it stuck with me. I was good at it. So uh, I just continued to make that a career. And then from there, I went on to uh, work for Intuit, which um, people might be familiar with, make TurboTax. And then I got to the Richmond area. And so far, I've been loving it. That's awesome. Well, today, folks, I mean, we're going to switch it around a little bit. Normally, we come from the energy consultant side. So we interview folks with subject matter expertise um, from, from the energy consulting side on who would most likely be pitching uh, you different projects for energy efficiency um, at, at your campus or other campuses um, that you run. So just wanted to give that little little background for our listeners. What what exactly interests you most about what you do? Like what feeds your passion? I know um, the, the trades and, and, and having that hands on approach. Um, but there is, is there anything now that, you know, 20 years later still feeds your passion about facility solutions? Yeah, um, it's interacting with people all the time. Uh, you're also looked at as a uh, subject matter expert, just about everything in the facility. If somebody I can't get something out of the vending machine to all the way to, hey, uh, we need this new chiller put in and, and retrofitted, so we need your help. So you run the whole gamut of from the low-end stuff all the way to the high-end stuff. That's the passion. That's designing the building, uh, learning new things, uh, You know, getting in there and getting your hands dirty, but also using your mind to expand and using the efficiencies you're learning about to, to drive better results. Yeah. Well, it's funny you talk about efficiencies. We talk about that a lot here on the podcast. Um, so let me switch gears. You know, this being an energy focused podcast, what uh, what big changes have you seen from the facilities maintenance and solutions side uh, in regards to energy efficiency or just the servicing of HVAC uh, lighting, BAS, EMS systems uh, on these campuses? Has there been a, a, a switch in focus uh, either from the customer side wanting to be energy efficient? and sustainable or how these projects are being presented to you? Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of what goes on right now is everybody's got sustainability in mind. Um, I remember in a company a couple lifetimes ago, as I like to say, we started out with a green program. The green program wasn't really 
didn't have as much teeth as a sustainability program has now. So when we talk about sustainability, to me, that means something where I'm going to be energy conscious, but it's got to be the right amount of money. You know, so uh, see a lot of people come and say, we can do all this stuff for you and get you to be energy efficient. But is it going to be at the appetite of leadership? What is our ROI is basically the biggest sell I have to bring to my leadership. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about, uh, you know, we've worked in the past together. When we talk about uh, sustainability, you know exactly where, you know, some people will be like, I like that. That's a great idea. But, you know, I just don't have the budget for that. So we mm-hmm. try. I try to come in at an option type pitch for whatever I get bidded out. So like if we're going to say we need a new energy management system in the building, I try to get it full turnkey solution quoted, and then we go into uh, options and a gradual implementation. I know that sometimes that doesn't get you the best ROI by implementing it like that, but that is what leadership wants to see. They want it budgeted over a process. Now, there are some companies that have an open checkbook, and they'll go, hey, this is what we need you to do. Go ahead and do it. But I find in the companies that I've worked for in the past, it's always the phased approach. Yeah. So when we do that, um, that seems to get more buy-in from everybody involved because some people um, and some leaders that I've had are from the Carter administration. So they don't believe in they, you know, Jimmy Carter, if anybody doesn't remember, we used to put solar panels on the White House. Great ideas. Technology just wasn't there. And so you get people that are still bitter over those and they don't believe. So you have to show them um, in a phased approach hey, this is what your ROI is. This is what we're going to deliver for you. And once they see that first project, you've got them. You know, once you get that dollars and you show them this is what we've done, this is how we've implemented it, and this is what we've saved, you've pretty much a shoe in after that. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I mean, shameless plug for metering. I mean, that's why I love real-time metering because it shows you in real time, you know, what you're losing um, by, by not implementing some of these projects um, you know, it's really hard for a lot of these leaders that you're talking about to visualize kilowatt hours and kilowatts and BTUs into dollars and cents. It's really hard for them to visualize that they're handing more money over to um, utility companies or or um, whoever than they, than they need to be every month. Uh, it's hard for them to visualize, you know, kind of the long term gains of a lot of these things. So, I mean, I, I like that multiple um, option approach. I mean, it is a little bit more work on on our end uh, as contractors or consultants to to develop more than one option. Um, but it definitely, uh, I believe, you know, it positions the company uh, well, it positions you well to get at least one part of the project sold, um, whether it, you know, maybe not the entire facility is going to switch over to LED or, or implement this huge EMS system like you're talking about, but at least, uh, at least they'll do something. And I mean, that's the entire goal of what we're trying to do is reduce those operational expenses and that environmental impact. Um, so I appreciate the insight on that. Um, what are some of the biggest, uh, what are some of the newest technologies that that you have seen come about um, that are on what we like to call the leading edge and not the bleeding edge? So something that that has come up maybe in the last few years um, that that you were kind of waiting on maybe five or six years ago, but it's kind of starting to come to a head and you might see implemented here in the next uh, one to two years. Well, when we talk about when we talk about energy management and then I also deal with efficiencies as far as work being done 
and products. Um, so let's just go, let's say, for example, toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Right now, um, there's a company out there that has where they can monitor wirelessly how much toilet paper you use. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody might not think that that's such a big deal in a smaller, you know, three-story office building. It just depends on how many they've got, people they've got. But when you're in a high-rise building, you can go anywhere from one bathroom, if it's six stalls, can go through 12 cases of toilet paper a day. That is a huge, huge cost. And a lot of times people will change the toilet paper just to change it, and you don't need to. We've got a bunch of partial rolls that we waste because nobody wants to set them on top of the toilet. So what we what I've seen is the wireless technology has made it so that it's affordable now to monitor those types of things. So what you do is you have your so if we have a lot of complaints for example about it's dusty here, we don't get this clean. A lot of times your day porters are they're doing a lot of uh toilet paper changing, putting cups out, doing things like that. So if you can make their day a little bit easier, alerts them where they need to be instead of just doing it and changing, that's what I've seen happening. Taking the data and using the data real time with people. And people will think, hey, that's really not that, but it is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. It's a huge deal of efficiency because a lot of times uh, with the economy the way it is, we're adding people, we're adding people. The building I take care of now, we went from when I first started a year ago to like I think we were at 1,200 to where we're scheduled to be May mid-year at 15. Mm-hmm. So we have to look for efficiencies all the way across the board. I would say wireless and the metrics that you used with various companies are all getting involved in data. Yeah. The collection of data and giving it to us to use at our desk and I can make better decisions that way. Yeah. So it's, it's the internet of things. It's, it's putting, uh, sensors, um, you know, such as you you have sensors that monitor drugs going in and out of a pharmacy, right? It's the same thing that these sensors could be in these maintenance closets, monitoring how many seals and gaskets and toilet paper and, uh, any of these other items that you have in stock automatically, it hits a certain threshold. Hey, we only got two rolls left. We need to go ahead and order six more. That reduces down on your waste. I mean, that reduces down on your waste. It reduces down on your your holding costs. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know we talk a lot about how we monitor, uh, you know, energy from an engineering standpoint, whether it be electricity, natural gas, water, things like that. But but these 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 uh, hardware items are, are just as important when you're talking about sustainability um, and you're talking about waste. So Rob, let's go back a little bit. I'm I'm super curious, and I know some of our listeners are probably as well. You know, as again, as a consultant or a contractor coming to a facility, uh, you know, maybe we do an initial assessment, have an initial discovery meeting with you, come up with a proposal, send in the proposal. What are some of the common mistakes that you see um, vendors make when they're presenting the proposal? Maybe they present it in the wrong way. Maybe they uh, c- come off the wrong way or, or the financials don't make sense. What, what are some of the common themes that you see or some of the advice that you might offer um, vendors when, when they're coming to talk to a facilities uh, maintenance director on presenting their projects? Well, a lot of times facility, um, whether it's a director or a facility manager, a technician, however you get your foot in the door, you have to realize they don't have a lot of time. They don't have a lot of time to um, to talk to you about things that don't matter. So if you go in, know, be ready to approach and do your research on the business. 
know where they're at, know where they're, what they're planning on doing. Uh, a lot of times when people come in, they don't know their audience. So they, they come in and they're, uh, well, I can do this. They make promises that they can't keep. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. You know, coming in saying, we can save you all this money. Well, how do you know that? How do you know what I've done so far? So let's start from, can we have a conversation? What do you, what do, you do? And then get to find out why they do what they do. Because there can be, there could be reasons by why they do the the things if they're doing it antiquated or not, and then you go in and say, hey, well, maybe I can. Let's take a look at this, and let me have your bills, mm-hmm. and let me see what I can save you. Maybe you're on the wrong schedule. Uh, these are things that I've learned in the last ten years that um, really make a big difference to your bottom line. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the old adage, well, it's just powerful. You got to pay it. There's no. It's not true. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into what make up your power bill, uh, what you're paying on there. So you need to be aware of that. Um, and like I said, offer something that they can use. Don't come in there pitching this. I've got this grand old plan because I hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. So to get in there and say, hey, you know, let me see what we can do and take your time. I know that we want to get um, you know, you want to get sales, you want to get um, your foot in the door, but um, sometimes it can take two years, mm-hmm. you know, and I think we've, we've done that together. It's <laughs> taken two, three years sometimes for some of the projects to get it the right way. And mm-hmm. it never starts out exactly what you start out with. Sometimes it gets bigger, sometimes it gets smaller, sometimes it's what you could never have imagined you're going to be doing. But keep that in mind. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. I mean, do your research, number one, which you brought up. I mean, time and time again, I uh, have have talked to folks out in the field and, and they say, yeah, people come to me with solutions that I don't uh, either come to me with solutions that I don't have a problem for or come to me with solutions that I'm already working on or they, they haven't even asked the general question of like, what does your day to day look like? What kind of projects are you already working on? Um, sometimes they don't even know you know, all of the operations or, or even the bulk of the operations that that company does uh, exactly. on a day-to-day basis. So if you're going to go out there and call on, uh, I don't know, a, a, you know, West Rock or CoStar or CarMax or Altria or whoever, you need to know what those businesses do. I mean, especially those large businesses that have so many different campuses, you know, this building over here could just be doing IT. This building over here could just be doing, you know, real estate services or whatever. So I think that's um, that's really great advice. And as far as the making promises that you can't keep, I mean, I think that just comes from, uh, you know, experience and understanding the engineering, especially behind energy. Um, you know, I know when I first started out, you know, when I was looking at utility bills and I was looking at the kilowatt hour rates and things like that, I, I finally understood, oh, that's a blended rate. You know, there's a different charge from your demand than from your usage. And and that just comes from the time in, in the business that comes from the expertise. Uh, and, you know, I think just in general, this is general advice to anybody running a business. If you're just transparent and you get to a part where you don't understand something and you raise your hand and say, hey, is there anyone else out there that understands this piece that might be able to help me out? I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to find somebody out there that that's willing to help you out. And you never know who you're going to be talking to, right? You could be talking to the director of facilities or an operations manager, but he might have an undergrad in uh, electrical engineering, or he might have experience in HVAC or whatever it is that you're trying to sell. Um, And so, yeah, know your audience. Um, So really great advice there. So once you get into uh, the 
let's just call it a boardroom, right? And you're in front of the the, the decision makers, you know, COOs or CFOs or whoever it is. Um, what are they asking for? Uh, you know, not just, you know, internal rate of return, net present value, ROI, all of the financials, but outside of the financials, what are they looking at as far as vetting out the solution. Um, cause I know, you know, in, in government contracting, for example, it's very, very extensive. They look at past performance. They look at, I mean, they even dig into some of the financials of the company, things like that. What, what are they looking at? I mean, I know references obviously, but is, is there any other things that they're looking for? Well, <clears throat> yeah, they look for a lot of different things, but usually it, you have to, as my job, my job is to know how they want to receive their information. So some um, executives that I've dealt with in the past, they like everything written down. They want the pieces of paper. They want to. Um, they want the the business to provide them a book and to have a presentation, a, a PowerPoint. There's others that I've just okay. If you say it's right, we'll go with it. So it just depends on how the vendor approaches the facility manager. Sometimes he needs to help that facility manager, but the facility manager also, this is not really up to the vendor, but the facility manager needs to be able to say, hey, look, this is exactly what I need you to do. Mm -hmm. um, I've learned that over the years that you use the vendor to help you. Don't just take them and go in there and try to explain it. You have them come in there with you and do it as a phased approach if you really believe in it. And I only bring things to higher ups if I believe in it. If I don't believe in that it's really, if I'm going to sit there and waste my, um, what do they call it? The, uh, I call it, I can't get, it escapes my mind right now, but your capital in there where you get, you kind of have favors, let's just say. And these favors that you have, I don't want to waste my favors on a project that's really not going to do anything for the business, me, or any of the shareholders. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, you have to be passionate as a facility manager and help the vendor, but the vendor has to help you. It's a both uh, a two-way street. Mm -hmm. I always said um, when I was at the Farm Bureau was that we're partners. We're not, I'm not just hiring you and I'm not telling you what to do. We need to work together as if we're side-by-side -side coworkers because your success bring, helps my success mm -hmm. and vice versa. So you have to keep it like that. Yeah. Agree. Um, so with some of these larger companies, I know, you know, that some of the larger companies that we've mentioned in this podcast um, probably have uh, yeah, real estate asset managers. They have uh, maybe even an uh, energy and sustainability de department, whether that falls under EH&S, whether that falls under the real estate asset group, however that falls. Um so they're, of course, coming up with different projects that they have. You have your smaller companies that just aren't big enough to have those groups yet. So a lot of times uh, what we find is we're working with some of those middle sized companies um, where, you know, we come in and, and it's it's kind of a right fit. They're, they, they're not big enough where they can hire this person full time, but we can kind of come in and recommend these projects um, on a steady basis and help them out. With the larger companies, how would you... Um, recommend different contractors or consultants coming in and, and working in, as, as you talked about, being partners with larger groups that already have energy and sustainability departments? Or is it so segregated that they're just looking for local help in different campuses? Uh, it's a little bit of both. So it can be siloed. I hate using that word, but it could be siloed to where it's just you're only doing for this campus. So they have an overall strategy for the whole company as a whole. 
but it kind of gets departmentalized to just that campus. So let's just say if you, for example, work in New York City and then you had Richmond, we're both cities, but we're completely different. So you've got your local legalities that go with New York as with Richmond. So they'll have the company have an overall strategy and then they'll have their siloed departments that do the same strategy, but then do it uh, lower at a local level. So what I would suggest is that you've got to find that it might take a little bit of knocking on that door. It might, you know, uh, some of the calls that I've taken are ones that I've just by chance took. Just, hey, how you doing? You know, okay, come in. I was, you know, I, I said, okay. And I meet them and they're life changing. So mm-hmm. a message to the facility managers out there, you need to take the calls because you never know who you're going to get and you never know who's going to be able to help you. But I would suggest that with that, you have to understand how that works in a company. And sometimes um, they have the guy at the top of sustainability. He's working on an overall big picture scheme you know, five-year, 10-year plans. And then you have the smaller guys that are working on the toilet papers, the automatic flush valves, the occupancy sensors, those kinds of things. Those are the guys that if you get with them, they will really push a lot and they help at the local level. So Rob, uh, as, as you know, you've listened to our podcast before. We ask um, a couple questions at the end. One of them being, what advice would you give any uh, high school graduates or recent college graduates that are thinking about getting into energy, thinking about getting into um, you know, the trades or facilities management? Um, take it seriously, because I think when I was in high school and I graduated in 1992 was Everybody was with computers, be an accountant, you had to be a doctor. Um, And those are all well and good. I have friends that do all that. But you have a lot of jobs not being filled now. I think it's right now in Virginia, there's 500 uh, master service techs for HVAC that are retiring. We only have 250 to fill them. So those are those are in high demand jobs. They're well paying jobs. Um, We need to you need to be well rounded. I think with the new generation, they say that. Uh, you're going to cha- they're going to change their career five times. I don't know what I would do five times to change my career, but, but hopefully it'll work that way. But um, I would suggest to them when they're in school, and it was just like my son, he's getting ready to start high school. I'm like, be well-rounded. Take a little bit of uh, your likes. Find out what you give yourself a little leeway. Don't be so rigid in your degree that, you know, you don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm sh- I wouldn't say I'm not going to drama degree, maybe, but just don't be one thing. Kind of be a generalist because that's what a lot of people are looking. I know when I've been hired for jobs, they like that I have a general knowledge of all building, that I'm not just one guy. You know, I just don't do HVAC. I just don't do this. So I have an opinion. Obviously, if you know me, I have an opinion about a lot of things. But <laughs> um, I also can give you information or insight into just about everything because it interests me. And that's what I would say. Always be curious. Always be trying to learn. Use YouTube for the way it was designed to be used is to get knowledge, not to watch videos of people falling off a skateboard. Yeah. Um, those kinds of things will help you in the long run. And, you know, just taking the right courses at school, being interested, being kind, volunteering in, in your community will really give you insight into the people that you will be working with. Because you're not always going to be working with the blue collar guy who's had the... Uh, the worst upbringing, and you're not going to work with the white gala guy who's had the best upbringing. So you need to be able to gauge all different types of people because that's going to be the key. Being um, being mindful of, uh, what do they say, people's icebergs. Mm-hmm. You see the tip, but you want to know what's at the bottom. That 
relationship building is what facilities is really about if you decide to get into facilities. But it's pretty much, I think, works for everything. Yeah. Well, there's definitely um, all that makes amazing sense. And I mean, there's definitely a workforce development gap. There's definitely um, there, there needs to be an emphasis on understanding how to communicate with people and, and build those relationships. Um, so is there anything else you wanted to, to state at the end? I, I know you've got a couple ideas uh, that you're kind of working on. Is there anything anything you wanted to add at the end of this podcast well, for us today? Um, I just wanted to say to anybody that has any questions about any facility, um, you know, if you're a small business like we just and you can't afford to have that facility, and you're an office manager and you're struggling to get, you know, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, my email address is wilsonrobert260 at yahoo.com. And you can just, uh, you know, email me a question. We might be able to get together. Um, creating a network of, of people is really what I'm interested in. And solving issues as a community is really where we need to be at. So, you know, if you're that small, mid, and you don't have it, we'll get you the right people that you need to get to. Well, hey, Rob, I really appreciate uh, you coming on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure getting to know you over the last few years and doing work with you. Um, you've definitely got a passion for this space and you've got a passion for uh, helping folks out. So we will put your contact information uh, in, the, in the link to the podcast. Thank you for everyone tuning in today to the Energy Sense podcast. We really appreciate it. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend or colleague, and we'll see you next time.